Hello and welcome to our weekly podcast from Faith Point Church, Auckland, New Zealand. We hope you will encounter God afresh in this week's teaching segment. If you enjoy this podcast and would like to hear more, then you can visit us at www.faithpoint.org.nz. And now for today's message. I want to begin a new series today on the fire of God. And uh, many of you, we, we, we've understood the fire of God in the context that somebody gets saved and uh, we see them, they're full of joy, they're full of the Holy Spirit, everything's new, you know, behold, I do a new thing. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. We all know those wonderful scriptures and everything's new and they always say, wow, they're on fire for God. Have you seen such and such, such and such? But we look at the fire of God as being so one-dimensional. There's many different aspects to the fire of God. It's not just to make us more zealous. The fire of God has multiple facets to it, which is why I want to do a series on it. And we're going to look into the fire of God and the different types of fire that there is in the Scripture today and apply that to our life. Let's not just be sitting here to learn more new information today. Let's be here to apply the Word of God into our daily walk so that we can walk better and better for Jesus. Amen. You know, um, John the Baptist spoke about Jesus being the one that carries the fire and that he wants to impart that fire into the life of every follower. And this is what the Word says in Matthew 3.11. I indeed baptize you with water unto repentance, John the Baptist says, but he who is coming after me is mightier than me. Who is that? Jesus, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry, he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. The Holy Spirit and fire. So there's an aspect to the anointing of God's Spirit when it's upon our life that brings the fire of God. So we're going to analyze and look into the Scripture to see what is promised to us. This is a promise. This is Jesus saying, when I enter your life, it's never going to be the same again. There's going to be an aspect of the Spirit's ministry in your life that will baptize you with a baptism of fire. So if that's for you and that's for me today, I want everything that God has promised. Amen? I don't want to be the one that's missing out, walking through the trenches, and I've got all these extra tools that God said are supposed to be on your tool belt, but I'm not utilizing them or using them. And so John the Baptist, even Jesus described his ministry as one that involved fire and light. In John 5.35, he was the burning and shining lamp. The ministry of John, burning and shining lamp. Historians estimate that over 100,000 people went into the desert to hear John preach. No sound system, no PA, no smoke machines, no lights, no gizmos, no gadgets, just a pure man who was on fire like a burn, burning, brining torch. He was a light to his generation, and people came out to hear him because he was a burning and a shining lamp to his generation. Friends, sometimes we dumb down this Christianity. Sometimes 
we're all guilty of whinging and whining and moaning in the midst of our lot. When God says there is fire available, there's a torch of God's light that can shine in our lights that can cause the darkest path to be illuminated. Amen? That's the great Jesus said, I am the light of the world. He who follows me will not walk in darkness. Amen. We're not called to walk in darkness. We're called to walk in the light and we're called to carry the fire of God within us. The most common, uh, well-known passage regarding fire is the day of Pentecost. When the disciples gathered together, they didn't know for how long Jesus just said, wait. And they waited and they waited and they waited. 120 of them started off, and after 10 days, I think that's one of the great miracles of the day of Pentecost, there were still 120 people there. Most of us would have gone home and said, good night, goodbye, I'm heading off, this is getting boring, I'm waiting 10 days and nothing's happened. But they submitted to the command of Jesus. When you submit to the commands and the word of Jesus for your life, I want to tell you, you might have to wait a while, but good things are coming your way. Good things are about to happen. Life-changing events, in fact, took place. And on the 10th day, 50 days after Jesus' resurrection, 50 days, Pentecost came and the fire of God fell upon that upper room and tongues of fire rested upon the top of each of their heads. They spoke in a language they'd never been to school to learn. They were filled with the Holy Spirit. And the, the rest of uh, the story is history. In the book of Acts, 29 chapters of absolute incredible uh, power and love of God being spread by these people who started off as 120. That day, 3,000 more were added as Peter the coward turned into Peter the bold one. And he stood up in front of all these people that came from all over the world to celebrate Pentecost. And 3,000 of them gave their lives to Jesus Christ, were water baptized, filled with the Holy Spirit. And the church of Jesus Christ was born in the fire. The truth of the matter is, friends, is that we were never intended to walk without fire within our lives. We were never intended to walk under our own fire, our own power, and our own steam. The fire of God is there for each and every one of us today. So what we're going to do is that over the next few weeks, we're going to look at the different types of fire in the Scripture. And one of the... Uh, clear passages in the Old Testament where we see the different types of fire is when God came to Moses and this is what he said in Exodus 25 verse, and let them make me a sanctuary that I may dwell among them according to all that I show you that is the pattern of the tabernacle and the pattern furnishings just so that you shall make it so God says this his aim and his desire to build a tabernacle wasn't to get all fancy on us and to decorate the desert. The aim of what God said, God said this, I don't want you walking through the desert on your own. I want to dwell among you. This was God's motivation and heart was that He wanted to be slapped bang in the midst of his people. And if you see the layout in Scripture, all the 12 tribes surrounded the tabernacle and God was the light 
in the midst of them. He came down as a pillar of cloud by day over the Holy of Holies and a pillar of fire by night. Everybody knew, whoa, the Israelites, their God is with them. He's visible. He's right in the midst of their camp. They've got something going on there. They've got something extraordinary. The fire of God is with them. And God tells Moses, I want you to build exactly as I show you. You know, when God says, I want to be specific, He has reasons for wanting to be specific. He has reasons that, uh, that sometimes only He knows about the specifics, but we find out in the Scripture that the specifics of the tabernacle, actually these earthly furnishings represented spiritual realities. And those spiritual realities are yours and mine as carriers of the Holy Spirit and the fire of God. And so today we're going to look, as we look into the tabernacle, as we come into the tabernacle, let's do a walk through the tabernacle. So as they came into the tabernacle, there was only one access point. There was only one way into the tabernacle, speaking of Jesus Christ being the only way. He said, I am the way, the truth and the light. Every single element of the furnishings of this tabernacle are fulfilled in Jesus Christ. And so there was only one way in, one way out. Jesus is the gate. If any man enter through me, he shall be saved. And as they walked through the tabernacle uh, gate, the first uh, article of furnishing they came to was the brazen altar. And this was a massive altar. That, uh, that, that had a grate in it. And in this, there was a fire that burned continuously and the priests were to kill a bullock, to dress it, cut it up and lay it on the altar, ready to be offered as a sacrifice on behalf of the sins of the nation. And of course, this is representative of Jesus Christ at Calvary, where Jesus gave His own body a blood sacrifice that avails on behalf of your sins and my sins. And uh, this is the symbolism in the brazen altar. And we're going to this is where we're going to park for the rest of this uh, meeting this morning. As you went past, there was blood on you. It was a messy business. It was hard work. Uh, as the priests offered that blood sacrifice, I come off a farm. I know what it's like to kill a bullock and to be able to cut it up, skin it, dress it, and get it down. It is physically tough work. You would be covered in blood. And so they next came to the next article of furnishings, which was like... Like a uh, shaped like a modern day bird bath, but it was furnished and, and honed finely as a bronze laver. And it was so well made that you could look into it and you would see a reflection of yourself. And of course, this is symbolic of the washing of the water of the word. When we get saved, we then take on the Word of God and allow the washing of the water of the Word into our life. And so we then walk past, we're in the outer court, and we come into the inner court, which was a tent made of badger skin. And inside this tent, there were two compartments separated by a veil. And in the first compartment, this was called the holy place. And as you walked inside the door, you would find that on your left-hand side, there was a candle lampstand with seven branches representing the seven spirits or the seven churches in the book of Revelation. And this provided light. It was the only light within that part of the tent. And that light would, would cast a, a light across the other side of the tent to where the table of showbread was. Twelve loaves representing the twelve tribes 
of Israel. And this was the fire of revelation on the word. Bread being the manna from God, the word of God. To understand the word, we need the revelation of the spirit. So the candle lampstand where the fire burned. And you know what's interesting? And we'll get into this next week. The candle lampstand, as it burned, it needed to be trimmed every day. There was wicks and olive oil. And if they didn't trim it every day, it would give off a smoky flame. God hasn't designed you to give off a smoky flame from your life. He's designed you to give off a bright, clear flame for everybody to see Jesus. But you need to trim your wick daily. Speaking of daily devotion, speaking of daily time with God. And then as you came past the table of showbread, you came just before the veil that separated the holy place to the holy of holies. There was a golden altar where incense was offered before God, before the priests, when the high priest went once a year on the Day of Atonement to shed the blood of the sacrifice on the mercy seat of the Ark of the Covenant. And inside the holy place, there was no natural light. It was the pure light of God's glory resting upon the Ark of the Covenant. Speaking of the glory fire of God, the Holy Spirit. And that priest entered at his own risk with a rope around his leg. Nobody else would dare go in there because if the offering wasn't accepted, they would have to, he would be struck down and they'd have to drag his body out by the rope. Who's volunteering to go into the Holy of Holies this morning? Speaking about the reverence and the fear of the Lord as we go in there. And so this is the ultimate fire, the glory fire in the tabernacle. Speaking of the day in which God has promised in the book of Habakkuk. This is what he said. As the waters cover the earth, so my glory is going to cover the face of the whole earth. As the waters cover the sea. God's glory is going to be seen over the whole earth. That's the prophetic word of the Lord. Speaking of the day in which this world is going to have its final wake-up call, that no longer will Jesus be mocked, no longer will Jesus' name be used as a curse and a swear word, but on that day, every person on this planet, that as lightning comes from the west to the east to the west, the Bible says, so shall the coming of the Son of Man be where God's glory will be seen over the entire planet. Who longs for that day, the day of the Lord, the scripture calls it, because this world is in an absolute mess. And Jesus is going to come, and finally we will see him on that original great day. So we're going to talk about the brazen altar, the first place of fire today. And I want you to get this into your spirit today to understand the power of God's fire at work within your life. Who's ever been guilty of having the odd whinge or moan? Amen. Amen. <laughs> you know, this was, this fire was the fire of sacrifice. This fire was the fire that burnt the sacrifice that was offered. Obviously, it speaks immediately to us of Christ offering himself as a sacrifice for our sins. But it doesn't speak only about that. It speaks about a work of the Spirit, a work of the Spirit within our life that causes us to be able to live a life of sacrifice. 
that causes us, even when we're working through the most difficult of circumstances, to still lift up the name of Jesus, to still sing the song that says, God, you are good, you are good all the time, you are good. To still be able to praise Him in the morning when your things are going not so well within your life. There is something that's needed in all of us, even uh, Mary and Martha, the, the two sisters who were close to Jesus. They loved Jesus. And Martha was so busy all the time, busy, 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 that she got an attitude towards her own sister. And she told Jesus, tell her to help me. She whinged and she whined because she felt like she was the only one. You know, we all need to be touched by the fire of sacrifice, which causes us to be able to live a life free of whinging and free of moaning within, to be able to serve in the house of God week after week, year after year. You know, every time we meet together, because we're a young church in terms of years of being together, we don't have the finance and we don't have the money to buy property and build buildings. So we have to hire we have to set everything you see up today. The team was in here at eight o'clock. Some of those members of the team are here every week, week in, week out. And yet I never hear them moan. I never hear them whine. Why? Because they've been touched by the fire of sacrifice that enables them to serve the Lord without a whinge and without a whine because the fire of God has touched their life. And friends, I want to tell you, it's so easy to get into that. It's so easy when somebody else gets promoted ahead of you. It's so easy when somebody else gets uh, promoted from the front ahead of you for you to start getting those green-eyed monster eyes and start to begun, become jealous and say, well, I've been doing it longer than he has or longer than she has. Why don't I get the recognition? Oh, this church, they just, they have their pets. They have their favourites. You know, I'm out of here. But when you've been touched by the fire of sacrifice, none of that stuff matters to you because you're not serving man, you're serving him. When the fire of God's working within your life, there's no room for jealousy. There's no room for envy. There's no room for lack of gratitude within your life because that's all been nailed to the cross. You're leaving that old life behind. If any man be in Christ, he's a new creation. Old things have passed away. Jealousy's gone. Envy's gone. Moaning's gone. That got nailed to the cross by Jesus Christ. Let the fire of God's sacrifice touch your life today that you can live a life that's filled with His fire and you can live a life of gratefulness, a life that is continuously praising God. Like Paul and Silas in the midnight hour, they suffered a terrible beating. They're in prison, they're in chains. What are they doing? Are they, are they whining to each other? Silas, I'm so sore. Did you see that guy kick me in the head? No, no, at midnight, they're still awake because they can't sleep because of their wounds and their battle wounds. And what are they doing? They're saying, Jesus, you are good. Jesus, you're the greatest. Jesus, you're the best. Even in the midst of that hiding, they could praise God. And the Bible says that God visited them with an angel and the shackles fell off. God released them from prison. Isn't God amazing? Isn't God a great God? Hallelujah. He's worthy. He's worthy of praise. Where does the fire of God come from? This is what we need to understand. And if we capture this this morning in your spirit, then something's going to change within your life if it hasn't done already. You see, the original fire came from God Himself. The brazen altar wasn't lit by man. 
It was lit by God consuming a sacrifice where he literally poured fire out of heaven to consume the first sacrifice that was made on opening day of the tabernacle. The fire of God always originates with God. If it doesn't originate with God, it's man-made. It's not born of God. Whatever is born of God, John said, overcomes the world. Whatever is born and birthed and originates with God will have the power to overcome every single situation that you face within your life. We can't work it up. We can't counterfeit it. You know, we have smoke machines. We have all sorts of things, but it's a counterfeit of the real fire. The real fire comes from the Holy Spirit Himself, originates from the Spirit Himself. Look at this, Leviticus 9.22. Then Aaron lifted up his hand toward the people. He blessed them and came down from offering the sin offering, the burnt offering, the peace of offerings. And Moses and Aaron went into the tabernacle of meeting. So they went into that tent. And then they came out uh, and blessed the people. Then the glory of the Lord appeared to all the people and fire came out from before the Lord and consumed the burnt offering and the fat on the altar. And when all the people saw it, they shouted and fell on their faces as I'm sure you would or I would at such a dramatic demonstration of God's power in the midst of them. Number one, they'd done it right. They'd done it according to the pattern. They'd submitted to the processes of the Word. When we take shortcut Sam within our lives and think we can still get the fullness of God's blessing, we're the only person we're kidding is ourselves. When God says, this is the way I want you to worship me, and we think of another more flash Harry way to serve God, it doesn't actually work. There is a pattern that needs to be submitted to in the Word of God. And when you submit to that, you get the outcome and you get the results from that. Praise God. The Holy Spirit fire came and began that day. You know, as soon as we moan and we complain about our lot in life, there's something we lose that's special from the Holy Spirit. Because what we're effectively saying is that I'm feeling disempowered. Isn't God greater than your circumstances? Isn't God greater than seemingly orchestrated events that are hindering your progress at the moment? Is, did God, God not say, with faith all things are possible to them who believe? Did He not say that? And so when we complain, we're effectively saying, God, you're not powerful enough to actually change my circumstances. And we undermine the Word of God within our life. And so sometimes what will happen within our life It may have happened to you already. It certainly happened to me several times within my life. Is that we go through what's called the refiner's fire. The refiner's fire. And God takes us through a period of time within our life where things can get pretty tough. And things can get pretty challenging. And we're feeling sandpaper ministry from everybody that we come into contact with. It's just like we just, we're just not comfortable in our own skin. Everything seems to be difficult season within our life. And we're feeling the refiner's fire. Let me introduce to you the refiner's fire in Malachi 3, verse 2 and 3. But who can endure the day of His coming? And who can stand when He appears? For He is like a refiner's fire. Like launderer's soap. You know, when I was growing up, 
On the farm, my mum had this special bar of soap. I've actually forgotten what it's called, but it was kind of like, it looked like sand, dark sand. Solvo. You remember Solvo? That was a brutal soap. You'd never use that on your skin. You'd use that. It was a launderer's soap. And, and, and it was a tough, it was, it, it was, if you ever used it on your skin, it would grate against your flesh. And he says that there's a refiner's fire that's like a launderer's soap. Look at this. He will sit as a refiner and purifier of silver. He will purify the sons of Levi and purge them as gold and silver that they may offer to the Lord an offering in righteousness. The purpose of the fire of sacrifice and praise God, I'm glad we get, it's going to get easier for us as we go. There's the fire of revelation. There's the fire of intercession and worship that we're going to be looking at in the next few weeks. But before we get there, God's got to take us through the fire to understand His ways, to understand that my ways are not your ways. As high as the heavens are above the earth, so far are my ways above your ways. I want you to synchronize. I want you to get on track with the ways of the Lord within your life. And sometimes that might mean that there will be an uncomfortable season within your life where the purifying power of God is actually bringing to the surface within our lives the hidden things of the heart that we've failed to deal with. Those wrong attitudes, those prejudices, those biases, maybe even the wounds of childhood that still raise their ugly head whenever you get into a tight situation. God is doing it to refine you, to bring you forth as a shining trophy of grace in which he wants to work a work within your life to bring greater glory to his name. He goes on to say a few verses later in verse 13, Your words have been harsh against me, says the Lord. Yet you say, what have we spoken against you? All innocent like. <sighs> you have said, verse 14, it is useless to serve God. Anybody been here? Listen to this. That's kind of in your face, but when you see why they're saying it. You said, you've said it's useless to serve God. What profit is it that we have kept His ordinance, that we've walked as mourners before the Lord of hosts? So now we call the proud blessed, for those who do wickedness are raised up. They even tempt God and go free. How difficult is it at times when you are unsaved, cursing, swearing, beer drinking, partying neighbour, seems to be getting blessed all over and you're going in the midst of your valley and you're looking over the fence where the grass seems greener and he's living like the devil and you're saying, what's the point of following Jesus anymore? Hello? Where the proud seem to be getting blessed. Well, what are you following him for? Have you asked that question? Are you following him just for the blessings? Are you following him just for the handouts? What is your motivation that keeps you following Jesus because it's supposed to be to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind and strength and to love your neighbour as yourself. And yet we can so easily get pulled into the envy trap. We can so easily get pulled into looking over the fence and actually seeing how much better and how much more they seem to be blessed than me. What's the point of following Jesus if I can't get those blessings? Ooh. Listen to this. This passage of Scripture is incredibly powerful, and i tell you why. 
This next two verses anchors in to within the heart of every believer the fact that in the midst of every situation and season within your life, the Holy Spirit is right there watching what's going on. He's there to help because his name is the helper. He's there to help if you're willing to ask him for help. But this is what the Lord says. Then those who feared the Lord spoke to one another. And the Lord listened and heard them. So a book of remembrance was written before him for those who feared the Lord and who meditate on his name. They shall be mine, says the Lord of hosts, on the day that I make them my jewels and I will spare them as a man spares his own son who serves him. And then verse 18, here's the outcome. Then you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked, between the one who serves God and the one who does not serve him. This is basically what the Lord was saying. Angels, have you seen Vivian lately? She's been, she's had a testing, testing husband. She's been through a difficult season within her life, within her house, and yet she hasn't whinged, whined, or complained. I don't think. She hasn't whinged, whined, or complained, but she's continued to praise me in the midst of her trial. I'm going to write her name in a book of remembrance because she still fears the Lord even in the midst of her trial. She still praises my name. She still gets up in the morning and declares that God is good and this is going to be a good day. This is a day the Lord has made. I will rejoice. Write her name in the book of remembrance because she continues to fear me. She's not allowing jealousy to sideline her. She's not allowing envy or hatred into her spirit. She still fears my name and I'm going to take notice. Angels, write her name in the book of remembrance which and, and I'm going to pull that out on the last day and she will be as a jewel in my crown. And you shall again discern between the righteous and the wicked. Wow. The refiner's fire and the purpose of that fire is to do an eternal work of the Spirit within our lives. We're so short-sighted. If we get 70 years or more or a few less, Within our life, sometimes that's all we focus on. We don't understand that eternity is forever and ever, world without end. Amen. This life is a dress rehearsal for eternity. And we get so hooked up with things and, and, and stuff that in our lives and we forget the fact that this, we're preparing our lives for eternity. To be with the Father forever, to worship Him around the throne of heaven, to be forever with the Lord. And so often we get caught up, we get snagged with these earthly things within our life. And before we know it, we're on a whinging and whining campaign. And we've lost the blessing of having our name written in the book of remembrance as those who fear the Lord in those situations. We are here today for God to bring glory. The Apostle Paul, he was very straight about this. In Philippians 2, verse 12, he says, Therefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. He's saying you can't, you can't blame anything that's going on in your life on another person today. You can't play the blame. Oh, Adam, 
It was my wife. She gave the forbidden fruit to me. He played the, instantly played the blame game. And Paul's saying, no, 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 no. He says, you've got to work out your own walk to work out your own salvation with fear and trembling before the Lord. This is New Testament. Fear and trembling in the New Testament. Not just the Old Testament. This is recognising and hallowing the name of God for who He is, that He's still the same God in the Old Testament as in the New Testament, but we live under a covenant of grace, but His name is still to be feared. We're still to tremble at His name. Amen? He says, I want you to work it out. Don't, don't disempower your life by blaming everything in your life on another person. It's time to take responsibility. Verse 13. Philippians 2, for it is God who works in you, both to will and to do for His good pleasure. Aren't you glad of that? Today God is working in you for His good pleasure. He's working in you to work things out in and through you. Verse 14, do all things without complaining. Pause. And disputing, arguing, arguing amongst yourselves. Do all things, do some things, do one thing, <laughs> do all things without complaining and disputing. Verse 15, that you may become blameless and harmless. Children of God without fault in the midst of what? A crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world, holding fast the word of life so that I may rejoice in the day of Christ that I have not run in vain or labored in vain. He was saying this. If you can do life without whinging, whining, moaning, complaining, arguing, then you're going to shine forth as lights in this world. And Paul was saying, I understand that right now you're living in one of the most crooked and perverse generations on planet Earth. But it's possible to walk a straight walk. You know, just recently when I had this health scare, just recently, you know, I was seeking the Lord about it. You know, God, what's going on? I'm always asking. I'm prepared to ask God, Lord, is there some things in my life that are not pleasing to you? And one of the brothers I've got in Australia, he rung me up and he said, look, I heard about your situation. And this is what he said, I've sought the Lord. And he said, I just want to give this to you. And this is all he gave to me. He said, all I see when I prayed for you, James, is a straight line. God says, keep walking the straight line. Keep walking down that path that God has put you on. Keep walking the straight line. Don't deviate to the left. Don't deviate to the right. Just walk the straight line. What a simple but powerful word from God in the midst of what was potentially a difficult situation for me. So what's the secret to this fire? Let's have a look at Leviticus 6, verse 12 and 13. Here's some instructions of the fire on that brazen altar. And the fire on the altar, Leviticus 6, verse 12, shall be kept burning on it. It shall not be put out. Hello. The fire shall not be put out. Look. And the priest shall burn wood on it every morning. And lay the burnt offering in order on it, and he shall burn on it the fat of the peace offerings, a perpetual fire. Hello, a perpetual fire. This means a fire that never goes out. This means a fire that burns constantly, day in, 
day out. A perpetual fire shall burn on the altar. It shall never go out. An ongoing work of the Spirit within our lives. You shall put wood on the fire every morning. That wood of praise, that wood of prayer, that wood of meditation to feed the fire of God every day within your life. Notice he says daily you shall burn the wood on the fire. God started the fire. He accepted the offering of God's people. He descended and consumed the, uh, the offering and started the fire. Now it was the job of the priest, you and me, followers of Jesus Christ. It's our job to tend the flame. It's our job to tend the fire. It's our job to keep a perpetual fire, a constant fire that continues to burn. It's our job to protect the fire. It's our job to not allow those little foxes that spoil your vine to come in and rob you of the fire of God. It's, it's your job and it's my job to keep the fire burning every single day, a constant and perpetual fire of God. And friends, I want to tell you, you say, oh, that's not the real world, Pastor James. Well, why would God put it in His Word? Sometimes you might be on your knees dragging that wood to the fire going very slowly some mornings to the fire. And you're thinking, man, I don't know if I'm going to make it to the fire today to feed that fire. But I tell you what, if I have to crawl to that flame and feed it, I'm going to keep feeding the fire. I'm going to keep reading the Word. I'm going to keep praising God. I'm going to keep an attitude within my life of gratitude that's going to fan into flame the gifts of God that God has placed within my life. Hallelujah. As we finish this message this morning, it was a very troubling situation that broke out. And I say it's troubling because the people in the story were the nephews of Moses and they were the sons of Aaron, the high priest. And one day they come to the house of God, but they bring their own fire and they bring their own incense. And I want us to read the passage to understand what we're talking about today of the thing that can actually spoil the flame of God within your life. Leviticus chapter 10, verse 1. Then Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took his censer and put fire in it. Did you see that? They put the fire in the censer and then they put their own incense on it and they offered profane fire. The word profane means strange. They offered strange fire, profane fire before the Lord, which He had not commanded them. So fire went out from the Lord and devoured them and they died before the Lord. There's an encouraging scripture for you this morning in the house of God. You see, what was their sin? Well, number one, they were the sons of the high priest. They should have known better. They were instructed in the ways of God. Everybody knew, everybody knew that it was their own fire, uh, that it was the fire of God that had ignited the brazen altar and the priests were continually to keep it burning before the Lord. And so in walks Nadab and Abihu one day carrying their own fire, bringing strange fire, profane fire into the house of God that God had an authorised or commanded. And as a result of that, they were struck down right there and then on the spot. 
So what happened, friends, is that they offered something that didn't originate with God, didn't come from God, and was worship of their own making and their own mindset and their own ways. My ways are higher than your ways, the Scripture says. As far as the heavens are above the earth, you need to understand, you can't just worship me any old how. That a true offering is to be one that's made in spirit and in truth. To be walking in the way of truth within your life. To not be neglecting the gift that has been placed within your life. But to understand that God has a specific plan and a specific purpose for your life. And you can't just wander off and bring strange fire in order to worship the Lord. That you need to understand the blood avails for you by Jesus Christ. The blood has cleansed you. It's washed you and, and set your life up for success. But don't, don't then go into the house of the devil and start bringing stuff from the house of the devil into the house of God. Don't bring mixture into your life where I'll have a bit of that and I'll have a bit of this. I'll have a bit of the love of God within my life, but oh yeah, I'll, I'll have a bit of this, you know, life as well, the old life. Because I'm enjoying the pleasures of sin for a season, the Scripture says. Friends, my job is not here to condemn anybody in the house of God. But you know what I think sometimes as I hear what's happening in the body of Christ? There's a thing called hyper grace. And hyper grace has demolished the holiness of God. Where nobody fears the Lord anymore, where you can cash in forgiveness in advance. That you don't even need to ask God for forgiveness anymore because He's already forgiven you 2,000 years ago at the cross. You can just carry on. Oh, well, I made a slip up. I made a mistake. There's no regard for the ways of God. Friends, that's strange fire. That's profane fire. And you, we're under a new covenant of grace. I thank God for that today. That we're no longer going to be consumed with fire from heaven and struck down and destroyed. But I do remind you about Ananias and Sapphira. This is New Covenant, New Testament, who lied to the Holy Spirit and they carried their bodies out and put them into coffins and had a funeral service for them when they should have been having a celebrating time because it was in the midst of a revival. People say to me, well, friends, I, I, can, tell you, I, can, I can tell you so many stories of 30 years of pastoring. I confronted a man of God one day he was in my congregation. He'd come up. He was a very famous uh, Maori evangelist in New Zealand. He'd done 10 evangelism all. He was very charismatic, a great singer, tremendous worshipper. And he rocked up at our church and began to fellowship with us. And the Holy Spirit placed it, uh, the spirit of discernment within my heart. There's something not right. And, and, um, and one day I was at the public library. This is in our small little town when I first started pastoring. You've got you to remember, I was 24 years old, full of experience. <sighs> and this man rocks past me one day on his motorbike, turns around and stops. And as he's taking his helmet off, I see the word adultery written on his forehead. It wasn't actually there, but I saw it in the spirit. And I'm kind of like trying to just act normal. And, and, and I'm saying, Lord, what are you saying? What are you saying? And he's saying, and the Holy Spirit was saying to me, I said to him, what do you want me to do about this? And he said, I don't want you to do anything about this. He said, wait. So I waited and waited and I knew that something, I knew something was wrong. And then one day, this beautiful woman 
uh, in our church, a lovely, uh, she, was, she was a widow, she was a prayer warrior, she was on fire for God. She came forward in the service at the end of the message and she was crying. And as I looked at her tears, suddenly the Holy Spirit connected the images together. And suddenly word of knowledge came and I realized that the profane and strange fire that was operating in this man's life had a direct link to this woman who came forward. And as I'm taking her by the hand, I said, let's go into the side room because I need to talk to you. The Lord's spoken to me and I took her into the side room and I said to her, don't say a word. Let me tell you what's happened within your life because she needed to know that God was on her side. She needed to know that God has spoken to somebody else about her situation. And so I began to tell her, this is about such and such a man and that he's made sexual advances on you. And she just, she just broke down and wept. And she said, how did you know? How did you know? And I said, because the Holy Spirit told me. This was profane and strange fire in the house of God. And, uh, and then she told me the story, how he'd come around to her house one day and he'd tried to force himself onto her. And she said to me, Pastor James, she said to me, the thing is, I knew because of his reputation, who would believe me? I'm nobody. This man's famous. Who would ever believe me? Nobody will ever believe me. So I made an appointment that week and invited this man to my office. And this dear lady was sitting in the office with me as he knocked on the door and he walked in and he sees her and he just stops in his tracks. And I'm sitting behind my desk and I start shaking. The fear of the Lord came upon me and I, I physically start shaking. I can't control what's going on as the fear of the Lord has gripped my heart. And he was going to turn around and walk away and I said, don't walk away, my friend. I said, this is a divine appointment. God wants to pour grace out onto your life, but you need to be honest. And you need to be upfront with me. And then he began to say she was lying, that this was a story that was fabricated and made up. And I said to him, I pleaded with him, and I said to him, please, please confess your sins today, and God's grace can once again move within your life. And the fear of the Lord was gripping me, and I was shaking even more. And he just he looked at me with, with disgust, with a look that said, who do you think you are? You're just a young pastor. You don't know anything. And he walked out of that door. Do you know, two years later, he was dead. And it was a slow death. First of all, his eyesight went, lust of the eyes. First of all, his eyesight went, and then he got, di he, then he got diabetes. And then within two years, he was dead. Strange fire, profane fire. And the house. You see, he could have had mercy that day. That was God's heart towards him. It was to extend grace into his life and fix up what was going wrong within his life. But he never admitted what was going on. Today, the fire of God is here to touch your life. Today, the fire of God is here to cure you of the whinging, complaining, and whining, the envy, the jealousy, all those things and works of the flesh that may be going on within your life. The Holy Spirit today wants to pour fresh fire on your life.